The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Wrestling History. I'm one of your hosts, Noel Harlow Lagrasso, and I am here with former WWE, WCW, TNA, ECW superstar, and the only white American male to know the location of the Hidden Valley Ranch, Big Vito Lagrasso. How are you today, Vito? What's going on, everybody? I hope everybody's having a great time. Hope everybody's having a great day. Sorry for the missed shows, guys. We just had some medical issues we had to deal with, some computer issues, but we're back on track. Glad to be here. We got a show for you. You know, the hostess with the mostest. Okay, Noel, hit it. Okay, guys, that was. You don't want any banter? We're not bantering this week again? Okay. No problem. All right, guys, October 8th, 2000. See, we're a little bit behind. We're on October 8th, 2000. WCW Nitro in Australia, which links into right now because WWE is having a tour in Australia. Uh, Goldberg defeated another victim of the street, Big Vito. What's um, this week? What we're going to talk about with you guys is this: squash matches, winning streaks, and do winning streaks always end in disappointment? And I want to discuss some of the great winning streaks in pro wrestling history, some of which we never even talk about. So, um, are you ready to? Uh... I'm ready to roll because I, I was involved in some of the winning streaks, so it was good. You and a lot of them actually. When I was going through and compiling a list, I was like, wow. Peter was in a good bit of these, so we're going to have a good time uh, kind of discussing this. So what I first want to do is um, I want to touch on streaks themselves. Why do you think winning streaks are so important in the uh, build of a wrestler? Well, it helps build the character. It helps build momentum. helps build fans' interest, you know, and it gives good momentum to not only the wrestler but the product itself. So, and then it, it gives you a must-see athlete and a must-see character and somebody the fans want to cheer for or boo. Yeah, true, true. It can, can generate heat either way. Um, the first streak I want to talk about with you, Vito, is um, a streak that kind of gets brushed away, but it's one of the biggest um, biggest streaks in I, kind of what I would consider a more modern era of professional wrestling, and that's Tatanka. Yes. And you were part of the Tatanka streak because he defeated you on Monday Night Raw in the early episodes of Monday Night Raw. Mm -hmm. Um, Tatanka, uh, his streak was ended, um, he went from, uh, February 1991 until October of 1993. That's a pretty long streak considering how much TV there was at that time. And his streak was ended by Ludwig Borga. And there's kind of a little bit of a controversy about that because Ludwig Borga ended the streak and then never really amounted to much of anything. Um, when Tatanka got his shot back to, um, to kind of defend that streak, Ludwig Borges said he had a ankle injury and refused to wrestle him. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I did. Um, so uh, what do you think made Tatanka's streak so good? 
And again, it had a disappointing ending. It had a failure to the ending. What do you think they should have maybe rather done other than the Ludwig Borges well, situation? At the time, they were coming off the 80s and still going into the 90s, and they are still doing the characters, which was still a big thing. Being that Chief J. Strongwell um, had a protege in Tatanka, and there was uh, Chief Billy White Wolf, who was another Indian wrestler. Um, Native American. Native American, I'm sorry. And, you know, being that I was a fan also, and I got to see Chief Billy Weibel, Chief Jay Strombo, and I got to watch during that era, okay? And knowing that the um, Native American gimmick was a very popular over gimmick, especially with the war dance. If you could do a war dance, Chief Jay Strombo had the best war dance, and when he started to go, you knew it was time. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was in Catholic school, I thought I was Chief Jay Strombo. I would hit the metal fence, bounce off the bounce off the fence, start to do a dance. But I got you never my, told me that. Yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> I, I got my ass kicked every day. <laughs> so, well, you know, in real life, Chief J. Strongbow was an Italian guy, so maybe you were related. I don't was know. There something there. But anyway, being doing that, and when you're in a, a Catholic school, in the schoolyard, and you're doing that, and you're growing up, I mean, that's what people used to do. Like Just like George the Animal Steel, right? You know, a couple of my friends with Georgie Animal Steel, you know, fans, what they used to do, they used to carry a metal steel spike in their pockets. And every time they used to get into a fight, they used to go in and go to hit the guy. Oh, my legit, God. Legit story. True. So people believe. So when you have a Native American like this and it's popular, and the big thing with Strombo, he worked with Tatanka day in and day out to get him to do the war dance like him. I don't think it ever came out to where it was, um, um, what's to say? Chief J. Strongbow had a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. That was his comeback, was the dance. Tatanka had more moves and moved with the times to be more um, move-oriented instead of doing the gimmick gimmick. He had more power moves, Tatanka. Right. He could he could lift a big guy. He could, you know, but Chief Day Strong was very gimmicky. But that's that time in wrestling was very gimmicky, that right. 70s and 80s time. That's when it started to change from the Bruno San Martinos exactly. and Hulk Hogan's. So um, Tatanka was kind of on the cusp of everything changing over. But then he made a comeback again when you were in WWE. So you wrestled him in WWF. And then again in WWE as, as Big Vito. Yeah, and you know, guys, you know, I wrestled um, Tatanka four times during that streak. And, um, you know, I had matches. It wasn't like he ran over me and I was skull-bound crushed. He never ran over me. I always had offense. I remember the one on Monday Night Raw. Um, there were a couple other matches where I was competitive. And you know what? Being a young guy in the business during a streak like that and being on live TV, that you look back and you say, that's pretty impressive. Maybe I wasn't the best wrestler, the most accomplished, but I was the most believable and I made it look good. And my job back then was to make the other guy look good, do my job, and impress the office so I can get a job. Um, we're going to switch speeds a little bit. Now, I picked out certain names. I'm not covering every streak, but I picked out certain names that have different types of streaks in the business. And I bring this up because the next streak I want to talk about is The Undertaker. The Undertaker had a uh, 21 victory streak at WrestleMania, which we all know was ended, right. and everybody was shocked that it was ended. But... Um, what is the difference, the significance of, say, an Undertaker streak where he did lose during the year, but never at a certain event? Does that give the aura to the certain event or the aura to the wrestler? How is that different from a Tatanka streak? I would say it like this. Being when you make it to the World Series as a baseball team, 
You're either gonna you either gonna go in and win like the Yankees back in the day, or you're gonna lose like um, I can't I, I won't say a team because I'm not sure. I know there are a bunch of teams that lost, but when you talk about the winningest baseball organization when it comes to World Series, you talk about the New York Yankees, right? So they have at a time they were the champs year in and year out. And when you go to the big dance, you want to win. So back in the time when WrestleMania was being made, this was the World Series of Wrestling. There comes that one specialty moment, the one special uh, angle that you're either going to be, you know, you're going to be over and you're going to be the main guy, or you're just going to be in the middle of the pack in the middle of the car. They chose The Undertaker to be the headliner and have this streak, you know, lasted 21 years. Let's go all the way to the Brock Lesnar match, right? Mm -hmm. So now what do you have on the Brock Lesnar match? Did you want to add something before I go on? No, go ahead. I'm just, uh, I'm just listening. So when it, came to, when it came time for the streak to end, you knew he couldn't go on for, to forever. Who was the most formidable guy in the company to beat The Undertaker, the most believable? Brock Lesnar. So it wasn't like it was far-fetched that Brock could do it. It was like when he did it and how he did it and to get the most recognition out of it. But at the World Series of Wrestling, the main event, the biggest show of the year, and that's when you do your thing. Do you think that um, a lot of people were upset that The Undertaker's streak ended and he didn't retire with the streak or continue the streak until retirement? Do you think that was a mistake made by WWE? It wasn't. It was not a mistake because the streak had to end. It wasn't. If you're going to go 25 and 0 and retire, that only happens. Rocky Marciano and right now Floyd Mayweather, the only ones who retired un, undefeated in their lives, and that doesn't happen very often. Is it? You know, would it be the Undertaker, like you said before, Undertaker lost? Uh huh. So. It's believable he could lose at wrestling. Was it a shock? Yes. Yes. Was it the most devastating thing to people's lives? Yes. yes. <laughs> so people were I mean, crying. It was ridiculous. And, and what do you want in wrestling? You want the most impact that you can get. Okay. Um, now I'm going to talk about Andre the Giant. Now this is a whole different kind of streak because it's a made-up streak, really. Andre the Giant, um, the WWE claimed, or WWF at the time, claimed that Andre had a 15-year winning streak that was ended by Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three, which isn't really true because he had been defeated a lot of times in that 15 years. And a lot of times people have picked him up and slammed him, including Hulk Hogan at previous events. That's a little bit of a manufactured. Now, you can't really get away with that today. And <clears throat> Goldberg's also... The matches seemed very inflated for the road time, let's just say. Do you think that that is something that's very, very passe now, the, the inflated aura of a streak? Um, I think you have to have the right guy with the right body, the right look to have another undefeated streak today. When it comes to Andre the Giant, social media what didn't exist, so you were able to hide things. So if Andre did get defeated, you never knew about it because it was at a house show. You know, oh my God, Andre Law. And that could have been the testing grounds to see how the fans would react to the loss. Um, as far as Andre being slammed, were there certain guys who slammed Andre the Giant? Of course. But that's a respect thing in the ring 
because, you know, guys are taking bumps. And what's the best way to get somebody over? You know, slam the giant. And, you know, hey, how many people do you guys remember? Um, I could say I could remember Taz suplexing uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, yeah. In right. ECW. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody remembers, but Big Vito suplexed Bam Bam Bigelow also. So, I mean, when you suplex a man that size, that is a shock. And that, that goes with Johnny the Bull pressing Rikishi. Never seen before stuff. Because superhuman strength, superpowers, your adrenaline and, you know, Ico Pro was working. It was good. <laughs> Ico Pro. What was Ico Pro? Was that Pop Rocks and soda, and then you shake it up and drink it? No, and that, was the, that was the WWE I know, that's supplement a joke. program. So. <laughs> that was just a but, joke. Um, you know, Peter thought I was serious. He was like, no, I no, wasn't aware was, of that part of the program. <laughs> anyway, yeah. continue back on my showing of my wrestling knowledge on yeah. this year's show. Okay. Andre the Giant. That was a manufactured streak. We probably won't see that now on right. social media again. So that type of streak is off the table. Let's move a little bit into, and I mean, we could talk about the CM Punks and stuff like that, but that's a little bit more modern era. Yeah. I want to kind of go back in to maybe where some of our when viewers When wrestling missed. was wrestling, guys. When wrestling was I, wrestling. But I honestly enjoyed, and I'm not like a CM Punk fan, but I honestly enjoyed when he was champion. No, he did um, a good job. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. And the whole thing with him and McMahon, it was the first time since I was a kid that I said, oh, I want to see what happens and turn on wrestling. No, he did, he did a great job, and he carried that for 400 and something, something yeah. days, and he did an excellent job. No downs in that. But like I just said before, the right guy with the right time, the right gimmick, and it worked. Um, the uh, length of championships, you, we can't leave out one name who was just named a Hall of Famer recently, who should have been one long before that. It's one of our favorites, the Honky Tonk Man. Yes. Longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, and he won't let you forget it. Um, he's the Elvis-inspired wrestler, for those of you who don't know who the Honky Tonk Man is. He was champ for... 454 days he defeated Ricky Steamboat in uh, June 1987, Buffalo, New York. And um, he didn't lose that gold until SummerSlam 1988 when he basically was squashed by a upstart building Ultimate Warrior. His title reign lasted a very long time. And at the time, the Intercontinental title was one of those things where you won the Intercontinental title and they upped you to the next level. That meant uh, you're on your way to world champion, like a la Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, Honky Tonk Man didn't go up to that next level with, uh, with Hogan. And that was the guy that was holding it down at that point. Um, what do you have to say about that? I mean, why squash a guy that's held your um, mid-card title for that many days? Well, you talk about the honky-tonk, man. He was a gimmick. He was a great gimmick, great heel. They were wearing great programs. Him, Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine. That was great when they would come no, down was, in the car. And, and, that, the goes, and that goes without saying that you have the right stuff with the right people. Now, with the Ultimate Warrior, we can go back to Chief J. Strombo and the war dance. Right? The Ultimate Warrior was one war dance. It was... Boom, 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 boom. No moves, just hit you, flash, that was it. You know, kind of like the Goldberg of, of his time, that was the ultimate warrior, coming in, beating whoever whoever's there, and, and you're doing your thing. Was it a great thing at the time because you beat the Honky Tonk Man? Absolutely. What did it do? It gave credibility to the ultimate warrior in the stables of wrestling. Now, why didn't um, I call him my buddy Wayne because he's my mentor in wrestling, which everybody knows, but... When you talk about him going to the next level, 
that's a whole different topic. There's a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of politics, a lot of stuff that goes on that nobody knows about, but only Wayne has the answer for that, and I can't speak for him, and neither can uh, my wife and co-host, but you know what? It is strange that he never did go, just like my other buddy, Mr. Perfect, right? There's a guy who had the, who had the belt, and you could see he was running one-two with Hogan, but he never got to that Hogan level. He at least got to feud with Hogan when they destroyed the winged um, title. Remember, they destroyed Hogan's belt. They got to oh, to run, but the Honky Tonk Man never even got to run with Hogan. Yeah, but if you remember, but Mr. Mr. Perfect, Perfect never got the never got the title, and if he would have won the title as Mr. Perfect, he would have never left WWE. Mr. Perfect was also a longtime Intercontinental Champion. I, I don't have all the stats written down, but he won that from the Texas Tornado, if you remember. Yeah. Um, and uh, I believe he had the help of the Million Dollar Man at the time. Um, he held that belt, and he had one of the most amazing matches um, in SummerSlam 91 against Bret Hart, which was a phenomenal match. Um, I thought after that loss, I thought equivalent to uh, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, that Mr. Perfect was going to move up. But apparently, Mr. Perfect had an injury and took time off and started all the way back when he came back again, which is... Do you guys know with, about the injury? I think it was... I think we talked about the injury in 1991, mm -hmm. Boston Hotel, Nasty Boys and... Nasty Boys and Mr. Perfect, or was Bret Hart, was one or the other, I don't remember for sure. Boston around and one of them hurt their backs. True, true, true story. That's where the injury came from. And then when Ric Flair was brought in, Mr. Perfect was put with Ric Flair as the advisor, the manager, which he was an excellent manager. You could put Mr. Perfect in like any position. When you're talking about back then, guys, when guys used to watch him run and play and gimmicks and, you know, uh, ribs and everything, that was why. All right, that. let's move on. We're talking about a, um, a run uh, with Hulk Hogan. Let's talk about Hulk Hogan because he kind of kick-started um, an era where he pinned the Iron Sheik and he held that championship for 1,474 days, which is a very long streak. Yes, Everybody knows about Hogan's streak. The company was basically built around Hogan. Uh, the whole thing of him losing the belt and, and doing the tournament and all that stuff was to elevate Randy Savage. So I don't want to get too much into that, but I want to talk about before the Iron Sheik. I want to talk about somebody that was a champ that really doesn't get the credit for being a very long time champ, and that's Bob Backlund. Yes. Bob Backlund defeated superstar Billy Graham February 20th, 1978. I wasn't even born yet. He won the gold. He didn't lose it until December of 83 uh, when he lost it to the Iron Sheik, and then in turn Iron Sheik lost it to Hulk Hogan, which started uh, basically that era. Bob Backlund doesn't get a whole lot of credit, I think, because he was more of what you would consider kind of like a shoot athlete he was like a shoot wrestler he could get you on the mat and grapple with you he wasn't a crazy costume and some theme music and that was kind of he was the passing of the torch to the newer the newer deal even though i always look at superstar billy graham of kind of being what modern wrestling in the 80s and 90s was based off of bob Backlund was that in between between that and the you could say you could say transition um Champion, but you don't want to put that label on Bob Backlund because it really wasn't a transition. But you know what, guys? He did a great job. And for people who don't remember, Bob Backlund became world world champion again. And then when he passed the torch, he passed it to Kevin Nash in the garden in seven seconds. Yeah, record time. He beat him in record time. He beat King Kong Bundy's record. 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Bob Backlund, that's another one. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail again. We're kind of running on short time today. Um, but Google Bob Backlund, that he had athletics that you guys wouldn't believe. Still has athletics. People are still asking him to do crazy stuff, and he can still do it. That's kind of cool. The last one I saved is for you, Vito. This is before we talk about you. This is your man, Bruno San Martino. Bruno San Martino defeated Buddy Rogers in New York in 1963. He was basically an Italian Superman. He wasn't dethroned again until 1971. CM Punk got 2,803 day reign. I wrote that down. Um, and he kept the title for more than seven years. Santino was WWE's, WWF's first megastar. He was the first Hulk Hogan of his time, and everybody knew Bruno San Martino. Now, that was your dude. You went and saw Bruno San Martino wrestle in person. Mm -hmm. I never have. It was a little bit before my time. Bruno San Martino pretty much set the trend for TV era wrestling. He was the Mickey Mantle of wrestling. I thought that was Shane Douglas. Well, somebody had to pass the torch. Oh, so Bruno passed the torch to Shane Douglas. Are you a little bitter? No, but you, when, you talk, when you talk about it, you know, um, um, Bruno was the Mickey Mantle, the Joe DiMaggio, um, the Lou Gehrig, you know, the, you know, he was the, the king of swag. He was the man. He was the Michael Jordan because of before Michael Jordan. He was the goat before there was a goat. He was the OG before there was an OG, you know, and Bruno was very modest and very humble. And even when he talked after his reign and after, you know, all the interviews and everything, very humble man. He talked about the garden with a lot of honor and dignity. And that's the way, you know, you're brought up in the business, you know. So, I mean, you know, he, that is a very rare and gifted athlete. You got to give a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, credit to him. You want to know a little bit of trivia? Go ahead. You know, the singer Bruno Mars is actually named after Bruno San Martino. Really? And they brought them together so they could meet before Bruno passed away because Bruno Mars just wanted to meet Bruno San Martino, who he's named after. His parents thought so highly no, of Bruno. Yeah, and I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. There's a lot of people that say, oh, why need my kid this? I didn't no, a lot of people want to meet me, but you know. they do. I don't think anybody's naming anybody's kid Vito. There are plenty of vetoes out there. You just don't know, girl. If you're a veto, reach out to us because I don't know any other. There videos. are plenty of vetoes out there. You just don't know it. That are under seventy-five. Actually, yeah. I mean, I don't be, know any vetoes. That could be like a five-year-old veto, a six-year-old veto, um, a thirteen or fourteen-year-old veto, a twenty-year-old veto, twenty-one-year-old veto. You know, it could be a lot of vetoes out there. Are you talking about like veto juniors? No, just vetoes. What are you thinking about? How disgusting! I've had about this much of you. And if I move this finger a little closer, you're in trouble. This much. This much. Go ahead. Continue. This much you. All right. And the grand finale. Grand finale. The Big Vito streak. Let's talk about Big Vito in the dress. Why did you have a streak in the dress, but you didn't have one when you were with Nunzio? Go ahead. Like we said earlier in the podcast, you know, and guys, I just want you to know, like, you know, when um, this show is written, I know nothing about it, and I don't ask the questions, I just go and answer them, and that's, that is, that's what makes this show very unique, makes it a great show, because you get my reaction, and anything I said before is consistent with what I will say now. It was the right time, it was the right gimmick, it was the right person, 
And you know what? For the streak to end like that, you know, it kind of ended in a thud with Elijah Burke and uh, Sylvester Turkai, and I never moved up to the to the next level just because of backstage stuff. But I was going to say, was that a political move? I've talked about it before. If everybody remembers, I was supposed to have a title match with Booker T, and that never came. But I was the hottest. I was just as hot as Booker. And well, you were involved in Booker's whole angle because you had been feuding with William Regal, and they and 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 he was part of Booker T's uh, right. King of the Ring um, conglomerate with him and Charmel. And the logical thing would be for you to fight with Booker and have a female partner. And a lot of people don't realize you were supposed to have a female partner, and you guys were supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania. Yeah, you were. And your female partner was. Ahead, Ashley Mazzaro. Ashley Mazzaro. Yeah, Ashley Mazzaro. Vito and Ashley were supposed to, you guys saw the start of that of that angle. Now, what happened that your streak ended and your angle got killed off? Only the people from behind closed doors can tell you, but... Oh, tell. No, I, honestly, it was a lot of politics that were in play and a lot of stuff that went on that I probably don't know about. But when people ask, I was the hottest thing going on TV. I had an undefeated streak. I was, you know, on every house show, you know, everybody was happy with it. You know, things were good. And, you know, some things just don't happen. Just like Mr. Perfect and Honky Tonk Man and a lot of other guys who have great streaks that it doesn't go to the next level. Tatanka, you know what I'm saying? When, would, when did Tatanka ever have a world championship run? And he had two years, two years. Well, he was tag champ. No, 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 but, but what champ, I'm saying is, but never world champ. Never world champ, and never even got a world championship title match. And he's been brought back several times, and right. they still. And they never did. Some right? people it, are are in the mid card because they're yeah. good at elevating, not because they should. Be and elevated. you know what, guys? I'm not bitter about it because I had the greatest one. Could I? And like I always said from day one of any time I've done an interview or done, did anything, could I have been world champion? With the right circumstance and the right time and the right moment, yes, I could because my wrestling could back it up. And that's not a lie and that's not boasting, but it would have to be the right scenario for me to be a world champion. And I'm not ashamed to say that. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm happy with it. We're doing a great show. Let's go. <laughs> you cut that off so short. I was, we apologize that we are short on time. We will give you a longer show next time. But I will not leave out everybody's favorite segment, but mine. During the streak. Or during your Goldberg defeat in Australia. Either or, since that's our history for today. Who were you sleeping with and why? I want to know why. I don't really want to know who you're sleeping with, but they want to know you guys like it for some reason. So just just tell them who you were doing. All right. It was um, during the streak. There were a lot of uh, a lot of good times, but there was a night when um, I was hanging out with two girlfriends of mine, and uh, they were <clears throat> we were just hanging out. We were, we were just sitting, relaxing you know, drinking, and, um, you know, it was, it was a fun thing, it wasn't anything that was bad, 
there was just um, you're spacing this out tell the story you do it every week you sit here and tell me oh because that's what tupac does because that's what you said this yeah tupac you know like tupac i had two ladies it was a great time it was a lot of making out that night and a lot of touching you did not give any details of this story i just that. said there was a lot of making out with two girls and a lot of touching watch this I went to a grocery store. I picked something up. I put it in a bag and I brought it home. What am I making for dinner? Okay, so like... Tell the people the story. Put right. the geeks in. I was... You're so Jesus. negative. I can't. I got to pull this out of you every week. It's like torture. Because you want to hear my dirty laundry. I don't want to hear it. They want to hear it. Then so you got to pay me more money. Two ladies. We start making out. Going from side to side. Touching. Feeling. Before you know it, tops were off. You know, um... My privates were out. They were My out. Were, you mean the D? The D was out. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, petting and stroking and kissing. But that's about as far as Did you as say what, petting? That might be my new anti-veto right, thing. Let's put it this way. For, for, for three people not to have gone all the way, it was so wait, you're giving, I asked who you were sleeping with and you're just telling me somebody touched you. You're asking me about stories. I'm giving you a story. Well, now that I'm giving you a story, now you don't like my story. story Make a fucking mind. Oh, you said that. <laughs> I, I, like, just I'm tell the story. I just did. Scored two bitches with the dress. Their dresses were off and so were mine. Peace. Guys, are you accepting that as a story? Yes, they are. Don't speak for them. Don't speak for them. I'm here for the people. All right, let's finish this show. Come on. He's here for the people. Vito. I'm not even going to do it this week. I'm not, I'm not even going to drag it out of you. Guys, if you liked Vito's story this week, you let him know. If you want more, like, meteor stories, let him know. Tongues were flying. I... Why did you say that? That's gross. See, this is what I'm talking about. You made your lemons. Go ahead. Let's end the show. Come on. All right. We're going to end this show. November 7th, 1999, Buffalo, New York. ECW's November to Remember. The Baldies versus Axel Rotten, Balls Mahoney, and New Jack. Next week... Right here on This Week in Pro Wrestling History, we're going to talk hardcore. We have um, more coming on the Big Vito brand from you. We have a um, big news coming up that we're going to announce that's huge. Eventually. Eventually. All right, so let's <laughs> also, Okay, guys, make sure you check us out on um, twitch.tv slash the big veto brand. We're going to have a lot of new things coming on. We have WTF Wine Tasting Friends. We have the youngest podcaster in existence on one of our shows. Yes, we do. She is one and a half, and she podcasts, and she's right in there. You'll love her. Um, so make sure you check that out. We have a new show coming from South Philly, Nina, and I called Chicks on Horror Flicks, and you're going to be able to see that. And also... Unboxing is coming up. We have a new box sitting over there. We're going to be unboxing that for you guys this weekend, so make sure you check that out. Vito, where can we find you on social media? Go to Facebook at Vito LaGrasso, Big Vito. Go to the Big Vito brand on Twitter. If you're on LinkedIn, go to Vito LaGrasso. 
Okay, go to Instagram, the Big Beetle Brand, and um, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got this, we got that. If you need my digits, it's. I should win an award just for doing this. If you want to send me anything on my Amazon wish list, it's listed on my Twitter at Magical Capital T Spiller. Don't send him nothing. Look at him. He deserves nothing. Send it to me. I just got out of the hospital. I was just in the hospital. Um, so also, so also you can um, reach me on uh, Instagram at Magic T Spiller on Facebook. Noel Harlow Labrasso. Make sure you check us out at thebigvetobrand.com where you can see and catch all of our updates and merchandising. I think that's it. Is that it? Are we done? You want to say goodbye, Vito? Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.